Unlimited talk at your fingertips, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fullick. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to resiliency, business continuity, emergency management, organizational resiliency, crisis communications, and anything that's related to those subjects. Today, we are recording, or broadcasting, I should say, live from the Disaster Recovery Journal Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Just like we did last year, um, had a great successful time last year with some great guests on the show and we had some fantastic people um, stop by the booth and uh, give us our thoughts on uh, the various subjects here. And let's get a couple of uh, normal announcements out of the way. Um, If there's any topics you want us to talk about on the show, um, either the live event or on other pre-record shows, please feel free. Go to the Voice America webpage for the show. There is a button underneath the graphic that says send the host an email or something to that effect. And I do get all notices. I will reach out to you and we'll see about getting you on the show. We'll find a time. We'll uh, discuss your topic and you can get your thoughts uh, out there. We also have uh, sponsorships available for anyone that wants to come on the show and talk about their product or service. Um, We can get you on the show as well and we can talk about it. uh, Lots of fun. And believe me, let me tell you, 48 minutes goes by a lot quicker than you think it does. Uh, As I said, we are broadcasting live from Phoenix, uh, the DRJ conference, fall 2019. It's a hot day. Uh, I will say that uh, being an hour west of uh, Toronto, which is nice and cold right now. um, It's hot here. I'm not used to it. uh, And everyone's laughing at me. But, uh, you know, (laughs) the... Conference here, uh, just like last year, has a lot of people here. I think there's over a thousand uh, attendees. We've got a lot of uh, businesses uh, representing themselves here in the exhibit hall where we're located. The theme for this year's uh, conference is innovations in managing risk and resiliency. Now, resiliency, um, I'll touch on in a minute. Uh, Managing risk is obviously a key part of what we do in business continuity management because it's been around for so long. You know, that is what we do. We manage risk. Resiliency is a little bit different. And uh, I have some conflicting uh, opinions on that, which I'm sure some people are going (laughs) probably not agree with me on. Um, But we'll get to that in a minute. And I know we're going to have some uh, speakers that uh, come on and some guests that want to come on the show um, that have already pre-booked for our four or five hours. And we'll be here talking about resiliency. But I do want to give a shout out to uh, my friend Jerry at uh, BoastAssessment.com, who is helping us uh, be here today. That's BoastAssessment.com, where he's got uh, and helped build an application that helps you self-evaluate and monitor your BCM and DR programs uh, status all year long. And as you work on things, you can focus your resources in the proper spots. 
So uh, hey out there to Jerry at boastassessment.com. And I also want to uh, give acknowledgement uh, to the crew here today, Aaron, Ryan, and Dee from Voice America, who help us set up and, uh, you know, will probably make me laugh. And you can't see things, but they'll probably trip me up a few times, especially one person will try, yeah, as he laughs right now. <laughs> but back to the conference. So some of the topics that are being talked about here um, there's the leadership, and I think leadership is key in business continuity management, especially when there are disasters and tough situations. We need to show good leadership from our leaders, and and sometimes you know, when we do experience uh, disasters, people step up that maybe not have stepped up before in the past and become uh, good leaders during disasters. We've got uh, a few speakers talking about cyber threats. And I am going to be talking with uh, Regina Phelps. Uh, as you'll know, Regina has been on the show before. Uh, she was on our last broadcast uh, from Phoenix last year. She was, I believe, the last guest uh, who came on. But she's going to join us, uh, I think, at 11.30 today. And we're going to talk about cyber threats and testing them, which is interesting um, because we were chatting last night shortly uh, for a few minutes. And uh, somebody else's show who's going to be airing in November, November 14th, I believe it is, uh, Al Berman, who was talking about cyber threats. And uh, we were having a good chuckle last night because one of the examples he used with cyber threats is uh, your smart fridges, you know, and that they can be a vulnerable points now. So uh, who would have thought years ago that uh, your fridge could actually be uh, giving away your personal data? Interesting. And of course, with the um, topic being resiliency, we will be talking about organizational resiliency, and I, I've got some thoughts on that, and I'm going to get to that shortly. Um, governance and measurement. If you've been listening to the uh, show uh, for any amount of time, you will know that I've, I have a second career path of project management, program management, which I use in my disaster recovery business continuity realm. And... Governance is a big piece to help keep your programs on the right road using issue management, risk management, you know, schedule management and stakeholder buy-in and keeping them informed and communications. Understanding all of that and being able to measure it will definitely help you with your programs. So I would recommend anyone, and I've done it many times, recommend everybody taking some sort of project management course, you know, even if it's just project management 101, to have an idea how to talk to your executives. You will have different levels that you need to talk to. Your employees that you're trying to get awareness for on what they do with regards to disaster recovery and business continuity, the message you give them is different than the message you are going to be communicating to your executives. They're not going to want the disaster, all the details that you've got and you know, where is the plan housed and how many pages is it and all this other information. Different people need different levels of information. You've got different audiences. So I'm looking forward to attending uh, the workshop on uh, governance and measurement just to have an idea and, and get some more ideas on that. And you know I've talked about that uh, quite a few times and I've even had some approach management professionals on the show to talk about it. Now let's go to the main theme here, resiliency. I know some people may not agree with what I have to say, but 
you know, after 21, 22 years of being in this industry, we've all got different opinions on things. Resiliency, uh, there's a lot of focus on people being resilient. By giving them specific tools um, or just showing them how to do something will make them resilient. That's not necessarily true. I don't believe that buying a product off a shelf or having someone come in and saying, if you do this, A, B, and C, you will be resilient. That's not correct. I, and it's not that it's not correct. It's only half the equation. I do believe that we need to have support structures in place to help people become resilient. And the same thing goes for organizations. We have to have the support structures in place. You have to have your health and safety committees in place who do workplace investigations and check, you know, to make sure there are no hazards. You need to have your steering committee in place that helps guide uh, to make sure you're still focusing on what's key to the organization. Not just, hey, Mr. CEO, here's what you need to do and your organization will be resilient. We can make you resilient. No one can make you resilient. Being a resiliency by definition is being having the ability to bounce back, which means you can't bounce back if you haven't had any kind of negative situation. If you've not experienced a negative situation, you cannot bounce back. Science has already proven that those that have um, gone through um, adverse situations, you know, whether it be uh, you know on a domestic forum or organizational level have proven themselves to be more resilient over time because they've learned lessons. They've experienced uh, negative situations and have been able to move forward from there. Uh, there is a fantastic book um, by uh, called Change Your World by Dr. Michael Unger that I just finished reading. Um, it came out last year. <clears throat> he is a professor. Um, I, I know he's, I believe he's in Halifax um, on the east coast of Canada. And he has a resilience institute, and he's done a lot of research. And in his book, he says exactly that, that those leaders and those organizations that have gone through uh, negative situations and scenarios have proven themselves to be more resilient because they've got something to measure. They've got something to look back on, something to learn. Organizations that haven't experienced anything negative, who say they are resilient, aren't as resilient as they may be because they've never been tested. They've never actually gone through it. Um, the uh, world-renowned Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh has a saying, no mud, no lotus. And that refers to resiliency. And I actually have a silver bracelet that has that on um, me to remind me that you know, even when I'm going through a bad time, out of that mud, out of that terrible quagmire that I'm stuck in, I will rise and be better. No mud, no lotus. Well, that's how people become resilient. You know, they, they develop the tools to, to work um, and, and get through negative situations. Just buying a, a product that says, once you do these 10 different things, you will be resilient isn't necessarily true. They are tools you can leverage to help you, but they will not make you um, resilient. Uh, my brother is a perfect example of that. My youngest brother, um, who's gone through, uh, you know, um, some tough times, um, he's unbelievably resilient. He's almost the most resilient person I know. Literally, when something happens, and I can see it right now as I say it, he just shrugs his shoulder and says, oh, well, well, I'll find another way of doing it, no big deal, 
and moves on. He doesn't think about it at all. He just keeps going, you know, and I really admire that about him. Nothing faces him, you know, and I wish all people could be like that. Um, there's a fantastic example in uh, Michael Unger's uh, book, Change Your World, of resilience and support structures that are in place to, to help people become resilient. And I hope uh, some of the guests that come on the show, we get to talk about that, uh, support structures and, and, and things like that. He, believe it or not, he uses the example of Cinderella. Cinderella was more resilient than you think she is because of the support structure she had in place. Now, I know it's a fairy tale and it's going to sound funny, but her support structure, you know, she made friends with uh, the mice and, you know, the squirrels and all those kind of uh, fairy tale characters. But because of that relationship she had with them, they made her a dress. Then she had her fairy godmother. And because of that relationship, she ended up with a carriage, she, you know, her hair was done, and you know, we, we've all seen the, the movie, and you know, her, the mice became horses and things like that. But Cinderella went through adverse situations with her stepsisters and her stepmother, who always put her down and made her work effort, you know, the, the sob story we, we saw in the movie and you know, TV shows and things like that, the Cinderella story. Would Cinderella have still got her prince at the end of the day if she hadn't gone through those negative situations and developed that structure that was in place with the relationship with the, those that made her dress in the carriage and things like that, would she have been able to get in that position? Maybe, maybe not. But Cinderella is the perfect example of someone who is resilient, kept going, got through, and because of the support structure she had in place, was able to take the next step and find her prince. Interesting. You know, it, it was uh, a different kind of uh, example. I wasn't really expecting that. Um, but as I read it, I thought, oh, you know, I wonder if there are other fairy tales, and I'm sure there are, uh, that uh, point to that uh, example. But I thought it was rather interesting. He also has another uh, comment in here that uh, I like. And uh, he does reference, and I cannot remember as I sit here, who his key reference is. Um, so my apologies, uh, Dr. Runger, if you ever listen to this. Um, but he references something that he uh, found in uh, his research that resiliency is the crossroads of preparedness and opportunity. So it'd be really interesting to uh, understand how prepared people are and what opportunities are out there. So we've come to the end of our first segment. We are broadcasting live at the DRJ conference in Phoenix. Uh, and we will be speaking with people throughout the day on different topics. And we will now be taking a break and we'll be right back. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Join Voice America and host Alex Fullick for the DRJ Fall 2019 in Phoenix at the JW Marriott Desert Ridge as we broadcast live Monday, September 30th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. The topics of the event are innovations in managing risk and resiliency. This is part of a three-day event featuring the top industry experts designed to keep your organization at the forefront of risk management. For more information, visit drj.com dot com forward slash fall 2019 or join us live on voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. 
Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. We are recording live here from Phoenix DRJ Conference, and I'm here with my first guest, Terrence. Actually, I'll let you introduce yourselves. Yeah. Go ahead. I, yeah, thanks, Alex. I'm uh, James Green. I am the Director of Risk Advisory Services with SAI Global. And? I'm Terrence Lee, a Vice President with SAI Global. Now, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the gold sponsors here, right? We are the gold sponsors. So it's only fitting that you be the first guest here. That's <laughs> perfectly wonderful. <laughs> now, you guys are presenting, um, I think you have a couple of workshops or, or sessions, correct? You have one coming up uh, shortly. We do. We had a keynote this morning, and uh, James has a session this afternoon, and I think there's two other sessions. That's correct. Yeah. Following that. So what, what were you talking about this morning for those that may have missed it? Unfortunately, I did because I was sitting here. So I can't believe you missed it, Alex. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to attend, but I had to be here. Sorry. <laughs> James? Um, so we've been kind of speaking on this track for a while now, helping companies connect the dots. So what we see is a lot of companies may have business continuity, so how they prepare for or respond to a fire or a natural disaster. They may have cybersecurity. They may look at their vendors and their risk there. Mm-hmm. They may look at how do we keep our employees safe during a workplace violence incident. But they're all separate silos. So they may be run by four different groups or four different teams, or some companies do two or three of them, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of what we're talking about this week is connecting the dots. So the goal of a business continuity professional or all the attendees at this conference is to ensure their company's resiliency. And if they're only looking at one of those silos, they're not really ensuring their resiliency of their organization. So here's a question for you. If those uh, different scenarios and groups are kind of in silos. How do you get all those people to agree and talk to each other? Because I I know for a fact security people right now are getting a little peeved because BCP or BCM people are coming, hey, you know what, you're a part of us kind of now. And, you know, there's some kind of... uh, heads going together. How do, how do you recommend bringing all those groups together? Yeah, you certainly see a lot of fiefdoms, <laughs> right? And everyone's got, this is my territory, don't cross my moat. Right. Um, and sometimes it's just simple as I worked with a company where we brought the groups into a room together. And you would think that would be obvious, 
-hmm. but it was the very first time that information security and business continuity had ever been in this room at the same time. So we started just like, hey, let's do introductions. Let's have a lunch because everybody always likes free food. Of course. And then we ran a tabletop exercise where we looked at, let's take an event that's going to require the information security team and also the business continuity team. And we ran the whole spectrum so that each side could see, oh, we're not, we're not antagonist here. In order for our company to manage this type of event, you need both teams. So mm-hmm. a lot of it's just about building bridges and helping them fill in those gaps. So, Is there any reluctance by groups to uh, not want to do that? You know, because you mentioned fiefdoms. You know, are there groups that want there to is. stay in their fiefdom? Yeah, oh, yeah. They, they, sometimes these groups, because they've been operating independently for so long from each other and not really sharing information, that they get into a situation of job security. Well, mm-hmm. if I share my vendor risk assessment data with you, Mr. BCM professional, um, then maybe you could do what I do. And that's false because that's completely different roles in the organization. Right. They're complementary. Mm-hmm. And by connecting the dots, by sharing yeah. the information, they can come to better results and more effective results through the analysis of the information that they've collected from assessments and evaluating risk and uh, third-party vendors. So if you have all these groups and you, you're able to bring them together, there's got to be a leader at some point. How do you determine who that leader should be or, or what group Overseas, is it a new group that gets created? Is it you no? Know, usually, what, it's BCM, the person you'll be in charge of all of this now. Yeah, How do you usually it's the, the person paying for lunch? Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're actually it's it's a good point. We're actually talking about this later today. Is that for any type of resiliency program, you first have to have that executive sponsor, right? Because you need ongoing resources and mm-hmm. support. A mistake we see a lot of companies make is they. They do a very heavy lift to build their one aspect of resiliency. And then they say, okay, it's built, and we're not going to do anything to maintain it. And then those programs kind of die of neglect. So the, the first key thing is you have to have an executive who believes in the importance and power of resiliency that they can keep that spotlight on those disparate groups or that unified group, you know, fund it, keep it in the executive's head and, and front of mind. So. But- but that doesn't that go against um, sorry the definition of resiliency is you know to keep going and maintain right so if you lose that support it kind of goes against the definition of resiliency right yeah because they don't figure that out until something goes wrong they don't realize that they're not resilient until there's an incident and they're attempting to recover or to recover quickly or successfully as opposed to recovering poorly, which is going to impact their reputation. And that's when they discover that, hey, we're really not prepared. Or maybe we did a tabletop exercise of recovering these two critical applications, but we didn't focus on the process and the people side. So yeah, it's wonderful that the applications came back up, but the people, you know, there was a flood, they couldn't get to the office, there was no offsite access. And they don't realize the problem that they have in resilience uh, or a lack of resilience until they go through an actual incident, unfortunately. But they can avoid that by testing and exercising and planning and by sharing the information across the different silos. Don't, just out of curiosity, don't you have to go through something bad, though, to, to determine resiliency? Because what are you going to measure against? 
Um, well, that's the point of the tabletop exercises, that you don't have to go through a real live incident. That is definitely the litmus mm -hmm. test, yeah. um, because all the risk and control analysis work that a company does is kind of pointless if they have an incident and then right. they can't actually recover from that incident. So that's where it's really put to the, the test. Oh, it would be. So what kind of an exercise would you put in place that you know, would test all of those groups and um, you know, determine if they're resilient? And how do you determine if someone is resilient or not? Are they, do you just say, yeah, these tick boxes made it? You know, how do you determine that, yeah, we're resilient? Well, the normal, um, and, and I'll let James talk about this because he's actually the expert in tabletop exercises, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you have metrics, and your metrics are, for example, we must recover within four hours. And if you go through an exercise and you recover within four hours, you're starting to build that muscle memory that our recovery plans are are, are well thought out and effective. And, uh, and then by layering in in scenarios and different types of exercises that James can expand on, you get more confidence that you are resilient. Yeah, absolutely. The, the two key things with an exercise are first, are we looking at or exercising our most likely risk? So if you're a company in Montana and you're doing a hurricane scenario, you're wasting everyone's time. Right. Right. And then the second thing is, do we have the right people in the room? Um, sometimes we work with companies and we have people in the room making decisions based on the scenario. And then we'll stop and ask them, if this were an actual emergency, could you be making these decisions? And sometimes you'll hear people laugh and they'll say, oh, are you kidding? I can't make any decisions. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> I, I've been in a room like that. <laughs> so you're not, you're, you know, we love you, but then you're not the people we need in this room right now. We need the people who can actually make we need the people who can actually make those decisions. So those are the first two simple parameters. Are we looking at the most likely risk? Do we have the right people in the room? Would you expand on that eventually? Because when you get into pandemics, yes. you may not have those people yes, in that room. Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of times we will, we will do an exercise for a company first just to take the pulse. And then as you get more sophisticated, we will introduce multiple layers. So to your point, uh, we did a multi-layer exercise with a customer a few months ago where it was a pandemic scenario. We first met with their crisis management council, which was their executive team, ran them through the scenario. Then based on the decisions they made, we put that exercise one layer down at the site level mm. and those people were able to test their department's BCP, their department's pandem pandemic, but incorporating the decisions that were made by the, the crisis management. So you kind of get a waterfall of really how a situation right. would work in real life. And by doing that on more than one um, uh, occasion and maybe <clears throat> mixing things up a little bit, that's where you start getting the resiliency embedded into yeah. an organization, right? And exactly. you also, it, it also comes through, through, um, through learning and awareness that the people in the organization aren't going to know their role in an incident um, in their, their role in business continuity or disaster recovery or crisis management unless you tell them. It's not human nature. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, there's some obvious indicators with physical security, but when it comes to a cybersecurity breach, for example, do you have a policy reminding employees, don't tweet about what just mm -hmm. happened because we need to control the message because we're going to potentially take a reputational hit if we handle the response poorly. And, so, and, and, and panic our families. Yes. You know, unnecessarily exactly. because we haven't got a hold of them yet and you're already telling them something's going exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. So by you can become more resilient 
through learning and awareness and that constant messaging to your employees about how to behave and what their role is in the uh, response. And you can practice that in your tests too, right? Exactly. You could, you could throw that yeah. into part of your scenario or um, you know, whatever you're testing. Just say, oh, by the way, this message came out. You know, just kind of throw a spanner into the works. Yeah. Yep. You know. And see how they respond because that's how a real-world disaster unfolds, yeah, right? You don't have all the information in <laughs> yeah. minute one, and you and I will make decisions in the first hour based on erroneous information, and that information is going to change over time. Right. So our response needs to change over time. That's got to be fun. Oh, we've only got two minutes left. Well, we'll give each of you uh, some time to have some final thoughts on resiliency. Terrence, why don't we start with you? Well, uh, the message in the in the keynote that James and I gave this morning was around a number of these factors, around learning and awareness and around repetition, and in particular in um, this concept of connecting the dots is that you have this information in your organizations. There are people doing cyber risk assessments of third-party vendors and physical security assessments of the, the buildings. And as the BC professional, your job is to ensure the resilience of the organization and you should be collecting this information and using it to inform the decisions that you make in your recovery plans and in your exercises. James? Yeah, and it's an ongoing cycle. So the mistake you don't want to make is to put all this effort into collecting and collating that data one time and letting it go stale. You need to have a life cycle of resiliency that follows your calendar year, your company year. It's always an ongoing uh, process. It has to be ongoing. You know, yeah. it's not an hurricanes end state. don't start. Yeah. You know, happen one year and then never and then occur. You never yeah. have one again. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it and they'll they'll change. The following yep. years, it, it could be worse or less, or hit you a different way or affect different things. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We, we just had a couple go up the East End Seaboard. Yep. Yeah. So, so the recent device. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, James and Terrence from Thank SAI you. Global. Right, and um, thank you for being the sponsors of the conference as well. Oh, thank uh, you much so much. Appreciated. Thanks we, for having us, Alex. We do like that. I know you've got other sessions, um, so feel free. If we, if you see Dee walking around, if we've got time, um, maybe you can come back and talk about one of We'd your other sessions. To. Sounds great. 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 Thanks for coming uh, and being a part of the show. We're recording live today from Phoenix DRJ Conference, and we'll be right back. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Join Voice America and host Alex Fullick for the DRJ Fall 2019 in Phoenix at the JW Marriott Desert Ridge as we broadcast live Monday, September 30th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. The topics of the event are innovations in managing risk and resiliency. This is part of a three-day event featuring the top industry experts designed to keep your organization at the forefront of risk management. For more information, visit DRJ dot com forward slash fall 2019 or join us live on voiceamerica.com forward slash live events are you ready for a disaster if you are like many people in the world that answer may sadly be no disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day tune into preparing for the unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert alex bullock the show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself but also to prepare you your place of employment and community for the aftermath emotionally financially and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency tune in thursdays at 9 a.m eastern time 6 a.m pacific time on the voice america variety channel 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. Again, we are broadcasting live from Phoenix DRJ, and I'm here with my next guest, and I'm sure many of you will know who it is, Regina Phelps. Welcome back to the show. Alex, it's a treat to be here. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on. You were on our last live broadcast. I know we talked to you uh, after DRJ, and you came on and talked about your crisis management book, Mm -hmm. and uh, I know you're speaking a few times here again. Um, And one of the things that we're going to talk about, or you're going to talk about, I should say, is cyber. Yes, indeed. And and I'm really excited to be able to talk about this because a cyber event, of course, is something that's happening every day, every moment, every place in the world. And what companies need to really do besides prevention and thinking about what they can do to stop an attack is think about what they're going to do when it happens. Because I think we're all smart enough to know it's really not a matter of if, it's really when. And it really doesn't matter how sophisticated you are or how much money you spend on information security. Your chances of being hacked are really, really good. Cyber criminals have lots of money and lots of time. And they're looking for opportunities always. Well, they're professionals now. Yes, you know, exactly. They're, they're not uh, the, the hackers anymore. Right. They're not you the know? kids in the basement. And, and uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I know in the last few weeks there's been some incidents where, I want to say a city in Florida, I, I really do, that paid to have their data... Like over uh, $200,000. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, so yes. it's happening to governments uh, as well, large and small governments, yes. and organizations large and small, because mm-hmm. we hear about those large ones all the time, yes. Amazon and you know other groups and all the other big companies. So... How do you deal with that? Because your your new book, which I'm holding in my hand, thank you very much for your copy. <laughs> You're welcome. A Cyber Breach, um, Designing an Exercise to Map a Ready Strategy. How do you design an exercise to focus on that? So let me talk about a couple of key things. First of all, even though we're, we're talking about the topic of technology, when you design an exercise about a cyber event, it's really not about the cyber event per se. It's not a technology exercise. It's an exercise that's focused on impact. Uh, executives and businesses uh, don't care about what it ha- what happened or why it occurred or how they're how you're going to stop it as a technology person. They're concerned that they can't send email, they can't access their data, they have no communications, they've lost their website, whatever it might be. 
And what I've observed in my clients uh, in their designing of exercises, as many times they don't look through the major things that I think are important, and sometimes they get in a lot of political trouble. And I have six things that mm -hmm. I think your listeners should really think about if they're going to do an exercise. And I strongly encourage people to do cyber exercises so they can develop some muscle memory about response and mm -hmm. impact. And the first thing that's super important is that you really need to obtain management support to do this. Now, let me explain what that means. Every executive says, ooh, gosh, I'm scared to death about cyber events and I want to make sure we're prepared. But what I, when I say obtain management support, what I'm saying is that we like to meet with the executive and say, this is going to be a significant exercise. It's going to be messy you're probably not going to have a lot of answers. And many times people will pull out their plans and there'll be nothing in them for a sustained technology failure. Mm. And when I first started doing cyber exercises about eight years ago, executives were horrified. And, <coughs> and then they were almost like finger pointing, like, oh my God, we spend all this money in cybersecurity and why did this happen? And this is a true crisis emergency. And and executives need to understand that this is actually a great thing. We have this exercise, we expose what we don't have ready, and then they can do something to get prepared. Mm -hmm. And so, but I, so I need a, man, a senior person to, at the very beginning of our exercise to stand in front of that team that's going to be exercised and say, wow, this is going to be messy and it's going to be awful and we're going to make s tons of mistakes and it's great because we're going to get better because of it. So that's the kind of management support I talk about. I like that because I, I've always thought that when you have an exercise, regardless of what you're exercising, if you find gaps, it's a successful exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you, know, you, you don't want to find it, find all these gaps in a real situation. Exactly. So an exercise that's well designed will expose many, many issues. And I applaud every single one of those. And I want an executive to do the same thing. Because when people start realizing, oh my God, we have no plans for this. I don't want them to get into a hole and think, oh my gosh, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to look bad. I want them to say, oh my gosh, look at what we found. We can't fix this. Oh, great. That's wonderful. Let's now mm -hmm. work on it, yeah. right? It's a very different attitude. So that's the first thing I think that's super important. The second thing is that you need to have a very willing technology design team. And by that I mean is that I don't want them to feel that they're going to be the technology team is going to feel exposed, like, oh my gosh, we that's, have all of these issues. That finger pointing thing. It's the finger pointing thing. And I've seen that, where people go, oh my gosh, look at what, what you allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. And I, I need them to realize that the best thing I can do for them is design a great exercise that shows where there are gaps and holes. Because then they're going to get acknowledgement from senior management, they're likely to get more funding, and they're going to get more energy and emphasis placed on that program. And that is really good. But I want them to understand, I will not throw you under the bus. Right, yeah. And I need them to design a great exercise with me. So I need a willing technology partner. So that's super, super important. Um, the third thing I need is that when we design exercises, the way we teach exercise design is that we use design teams. So I'm an expert in exercise design. I design 100 plus exercises every year. But I'm not an expert in your company. So for me to design an exercise that really works for you, I need the right people. And so to design the best cyber exercise, you need to have, first of all, a technology team, probably comprised of folks like network, applications, infrastructure, information security, and maybe some key applications. And they can expose all the, you know, nitty-gritty issues and problems yeah. and really point out where there are holes and concerns. Great! So they can help design the exercise, whether it's ransomware or some form of malware or denial of service or whatever. 
And then once they've designed what I call the bones of the exercise, kind of what's gonna happen technology-wise and the impact of the business, then the business takes that, what I call the bones of the, of the exercise, and they then design all the injects, what's inserted into the exercise, which tells the story. You tell the story through the impact of the business, not what happened to the technology. It's the fact I can't access my database anymore. In customer service, when people call, I can't tell them what's going on in their account because there's nothing there anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah that they kind see of it stuff. from a different perspective. Totally, yeah. and that's how an executive sees it. So I need those two really great teams to really help me design something to really be spot on and impactful. And that's really important. Um, the fourth thing is that you're all about impact. This is all about impact of the business. I don't care about the technology, really. I really care about the impact. So I really need to make sure that I've exposed that in a significant way. And that's really my overall goal as I go forward. Um, uh, the third thing is that you need to make sure you have the right kind of exercise. And let me just briefly describe what that means. As you well know, there's different kinds of exercises. Mm -hmm. And I need to have an exercise that's simulated. What does that mean? I have a design team who's actually in the exercise acting as simulators. So when we're going to be doing something or inserting an inject, I, especially from the technology perspective, I want to make sure that we have simulators that this, the IT team that's in the exercise can go talk to and say, I tried this. And the simulators could say, you tried it, but it didn't work. Or yeah. now it's t twice as bad or something like that. Because otherwise, they'll kind of cheat a little bit and try to make <laughs> it better, right? And then the last thing I would say is that when I ask most executives what they want to get out of an exercise, or what they're most concerned about. They're most concerned about reputation and brand. So what does that mean in an exercise? That means that you have to make sure that it becomes public. And by public, I mean, not like we're gonna really release this into the real world, but in the case of an exercise, we would, do, we would release it on Twitter. Not in a real situation, but in a, our artificial space. Right. And we would maybe release it in a variety of different ways that the media would pick it up and they would then have to respond. Because if you're worried about reputation and brand, but you never have to say anything, which most breaches, no one ever says anything that they've ever been breached, then how do you ever practice what you would really do? How do you ever refine your communications? How do you ever get your executives to understand what needs to happen? That's right. So we always expose them. And that makes it a much more interesting and impactful event. So I think if people follow those six rules, they're gonna actually have a much better exercise. And the reason I wrote this book is that I saw many of my colleagues designing exercises that I thought were fraught with peril because they weren't sort of following some of these basic things. And I saw them with finger pointing and I saw where there was a lot of hard feelings and we don't need or want hard feelings. We want people to realize that this is super good for all of us, but we all have to come at it from an important place of, um, being in the same spot and knowing, right? Right. I see that a lot, actually, in uh, project management when something goes wrong. Mm. Um, you know, automatically one side says, oh, it's business's fault because of your requirement. And right. Business right. will say, no, it's your fault, your technology. But with cyber threat, you know, it's, you know, you're all impacted, the brand, the whole company. Exactly. You know, exactly. And with social media, um, oh my gosh. You know, it just compounds it, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And you can bet that if, if things start to, to go amiss in your company, what's going to happen is that your employees might start tweeting, like all of a sudden they might say things like, oh my gosh, our phone stopped working, our computers went dead, there's a, you know, a skull and crossbones on my, on my screen, which is what happened at Sony. People were s tweeting about it and taking yep. sc uh, screenshots. So, yeah. and that will happen. I don't care what you tell your employees, they're gonna do that. Oh, of course, they, naturally. It, it's, 
you know, with, with, uh, with social media and everyone's got a, uh, a camera these days, they're mm-hmm. taking pictures and, and sending their friends, hey, guess what's going on? Right. So we have just less than two minutes left. Any final thoughts on, on cyber breach uh, you know, uh, and testing? Yeah, so what I would say is that I think every or any person listening to this that has any responsibility in business continuity, crisis management, disaster recovery, needs to seriously, seriously do at least probably one well-designed cyber exercise a year uh, with probably different component players in it. But the key thing is that this threat will not go away. And when I look at some of the events my clients have suffered on large global scales, we will work for primarily large multinational corporations. It is personally horrifying. And I think it is only going to get worse. It will not get better, mm-hmm. maybe for a very long time. And I think we need to understand that this is what I call is really the disaster of our lifetime. And we have to be as prepared as possible. And the only way to do that, frankly, is either have it happen to you or to do a good exercise. I vote for the exercise. And nobody's immune these days. You know, you can live in areas where there's no earthquakes. You can live in areas where there's no hurricanes. But you can't live in any area where there's no technology. That's right. Right? So everyone is open to it. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Regina, for joining us. And, of course, you know, like I said last time, you have an open invitation to come back on the show to do another episode anytime. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. um, I have another signed copy of uh, another book. I really (laughs) do have to send you a copy or two of mine. I want to see yours. Please. (laughs) I've got to send one. I I really do. Um, Cyber Breach, Designing an Exercise to Map a Ready Strategy. Available on Amazon. uh, Available on Amazon. And all the best, because I know you have a couple of sessions here at DRJ. Great. So, uh, and I know they're all going to go well, and I know they're all well attended, because I've sat through a couple of myself. Thanks, Alex. um, Have a great time, and we will be right back from Phoenix. We're recording live at DRJ. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com. Join Voice America and host Alex Fullick for the DRJ Fall 2019 in Phoenix at the JW Marriott Desert Ridge as we broadcast live Monday, September 30th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. The topics of the event are innovations in managing risk and resiliency. This is part of a three-day event featuring the top industry experts designed to keep your organization at the forefront of risk management. For more information, visit drj.com dot com forward slash fall 2019 or join us live on voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. 
Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. Today we are broadcasting live from the Phoenix DRJ conference. And my next guest, Jed and Brian. Jed and Brian, welcome to the show. How about uh, you introduce yourselves and who you're here with? Thanks for having us. Uh, we're with Regroup Mass Notification. Uh, we do mass notification for higher ed, uh, healthcare, a number of organizations in different industries, and just helping them communicate in crisis. Yeah, uh, we've been doing it since 2006. I've been with the company for eight years, and uh, we like to think uh, we're the easiest, fastest, and most reliable out there right now in the market. So what sets you apart from all the others? I, I would go take that. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, so I'd say simplicity. Uh, a lot of the features that we you know, can get into in this industry can be really complex and really powerful. But as far as that base, you know, when the X hits and you need to get a message out, and that message, you know, timeliness tends to matter a lot more than granularity. In any of the emergency cases we talk about, just giving each of those individuals a really quick notification of what's going on. So how do companies do that? You know, do they log online? Do they have it on their phones? How, how does your, your application work? Yeah, both. I mean, they, it's cloud-based software, so they can do it from their app, certainly, or from their phone, or they can log into a, a laptop or computer and initiate an alert from that way. So everything's cloud-based, so making it easy. So who uses it, though? It, it, do anyone can log in and use it, or is it set up so that, you know, Admins. One person sends out Yeah, there'll admins. be multiple admins. So Regroup, we have unlimited admins with our products. And if you look at that within an organization, that's going to be at a high level like an emergency manager. But then it can fall to a number of different positions like an IT director, a HR manager. Uh, and, and then the point of ours is with simplicity, we're able to distribute it across the organization. So as far as the start of one of these crises occurring, the more people we have empowered to send, the quicker that message is going to go out. And I guess that helps if you're a global organization because you said unlimited uh, admins, right? Yeah, unlimited So they admins. could be anywhere. Right? Exactly, and in unlimited groups as well. So you can create a hierarchy off of location. So location maybe in Italy, location in the United States will be location one, location two. So that's the, really the power of regroup is the ability to have unlimited, uh, as well as unlimited you know, phone call, email, text going out. Can you send attachments? Let, let's say I have your, your product and I need to send a message out to, well, you said Italy. You know, mm. people in Italy, there, something happened there. Yep. Can I send them a, a copy of my, uh, or their, I should say, their business continuity plan or anything like that? Can I put yep. attachments on there? It's a both and, yeah. yes. So we can, we can send it and have it directly attached via email. We can have a link for them to get it via text. Uh, we can send it via native mobile app so that they get the actual document there on whatever device they're on. Uh, and, and a variety of other endpoints, API and whatnot, and we can deliver those attachments with it. We can also have, for a specific group, a posted business continuity plan. So any of those individuals who are put into an organization can log on, and in their group files they'll see business continuity plan, and they can review their individual role at any time. So if, if I send a message, is there a way of knowing that everyone got that message? Yeah. Can I get a, a, I guess it would be like a ping back you know, with, with servers that's saying, yes, you know, my message made it to Brian, it we, made it to Jeff. Exactly. So we have reports both on the, the web UI. So mm -hmm. you log into it, you can see 
analytics for emails, uh, texts, phone calls. You can see you know, if the emails were open, what devices they were open from, text if they were delivered, you know, if they failed, why they failed. And then the call, which is really cool, is you can see if it went to a live answer or an answer machine. So we can see right in that report there you know, who got the message, who didn't immediately. So, so I can't lie and say, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't get, get that message. Yeah, you know, like we didn't get we the all, memo. Yeah, Did we you get all the memo? get that, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. There's no yeah, way of getting around There's a little that. bit of accountability held. Now we know more. you got the email, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We've got the proof to show it. <laughs> yeah, so that's on our web UI as well as our app, so the administrators can log right in and see all that right there as soon as they hit that message out. And that's that's got to help to be able to know, um, you know, your reach. You know, Absolutely. if you're, let's say, you know, Italy, then you know that we've reached everybody in Italy. Absolutely. You know, and can you do that with more than than one? You know, if you're sent. Well, I guess. Yeah. So, well, right? if, if that's the beautiful thing about us. It's multimodal uh, communication. So you're sending from a single text box. We'll call it a text box, mm -hmm. and you write the message that's pertinent to whatever the situation you're dealing with or responding to is. But you send that same content box out via email, via text, via all these different post methods. And I think the California fires are a great example of why we have multiple post methods. Because in this particular instance, the fire department advised the city to shut the power grid down, which took everybody's access to email away. Um, and, and then the cellular towers were, were hammed. And so then it was the paging systems were the only way we could actually get an immediate notification out. Uh, and that was across any provider, not just us. That's what these different a regional catastrophe can do to your communications over one channel. So it's not just reporting over email or reporting over text. It's reporting over everything that you send simultaneously. And you can send unlimited, unlimited. You know, yep. messages. So, you know, so our model is all unlimited. So that includes email, text, phone calls, unlimited support. So if you have an outage and you can't send out that notification, you can have someone like on Jed's team success get you out that message for you. So that's with Regroup as well. Oh, that's good. Because, yeah. you know, depending on what the situation is, I may not be able to exactly. take the There's time to be able to do that. But I can say, can I Call uh, pre, uh, how do you say, pre-populate some messages? Can I say send message one All the whatever the case may be? For example, we have a customer in Colorado, and it's public knowledge, Regis University is undergoing a massive malicious attack right now. And so their single sign-on servers are done. And so in the early part of what they're dealing with right now, we actually had them on the phone with the technical support representative sending their messages on their behalf because they didn't have access to any of their own servers or services. So you're actually helping somebody right now in a disaster. Absolutely. And you're sitting here? No. Yeah, well, we're, we're just uh, yeah. part of the team, obviously. I know there's more. I know there's more. I'm it's, just con kidding. it's constant. I mean, we know the schedule of the different hurricanes that are coming in because those are a big one for us. We can tell you the story of all the West Coast fires that have happened over the last few years. And it's really interesting. I think we are the only one of the only mass notifications providers who's been through a recession with our customers. Yep. Um, so I think there's a lot of different organizational resiliency unique to Regroup that makes us really well served in this industry. Well, we do only have uh, a minute and a half or so. Is there anything you'd like to say about Regroup? You know, we'll start with you, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I've been around for eight years. It's a product that you're going to get that's reliable. You know what you're going to get right out the box. You're going to have a team that's going to support you right out the gate, like Jed's team. They come in, take good care of you. But you're also going to get a platform that's evolving every two weeks. We're constantly putting updates to our product to make sure we are not only cutting edge, but bleeding edge in this space. So we're ahead of our competition. Jed? I'd echo what Brian said. We're going to have an exciting year over the next year as we start to bring a lot of really valuable products to market. And I think you see a lot of uh, products constantly and a lot of noise and mass notification can be a difficult thing to buy if you're a buyer. Um, but we're going to we're going to make things simple and really powerful. And it's going to. 
and I think that's one of the, I don't want to say problems, but some of the challenges with uh, some of the notification systems out there is that they are so complex yep. that sometimes they're not user-friendly. So I'm assuming what, what you just told me, they are very user-friendly, almost like a plug-and-play type. Absolutely. Thing, exactly. Right? I'm not a tech guy. I from, came from a sports background. <laughs> Jed is a tech guy, but we always like well, to say... Well, then he knew what I meant by that. <laughs> <laughs> we like to say if you can send out an email, you can send out an alert with Regroup. So this can be applied to any company. We know there's going to be IT folk that are high up that know how to use software, obviously, and then there's going to be common folk that maybe not the best suited to use applications, but ours is going to be geared to make sure they are taken care of as well. So there's not a lot of training from the IT folk to have to give to the team. Well, that, that's important. Yeah. You, know, you, you want to be able to use something right time. away, right? Yep. Exactly. In today's world, if you buy something, you want to be able to use it right away. Yep. If it takes you show forever to train them yep. and you know train trainers and things right. like that, people just say it's not it's, worth it. It's just and taking if, too many resources. And during yeah. a crisis, if all that training was required for it and you're not operating in your front brain and you're dropping back to instinct, that two-hour webinar you went on isn't going to be sitting there ready for you to access. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks, uh, Jed. Thanks, Brian, from Thank Regroup and your notification system. You are here at uh, DRJ. Do you have a website? Yep, regroup.com. You can find us. If uh, anybody listeners out there want a good uh, walkthrough of the system, just tell them to ask for Brian to call us up, and uh, we'll give them a good platform walkthrough. Okay, you're on record now. They're, you're going to get all these calls. I hope you guys do. Hit me up. Great. We're recording broadcasting live from DRJ here in Phoenix, and we'll be right back. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.